Hello, Mike Baxter here from Goal Atlas. With this month's strategy distilled, my concoction of insights, learnings, and things you might have missed for anyone who works in strategy. So this month, our lesson from behavioral economics is about illusory superiority. And I learned about this one the hard way um, several years ago. And actually before I learned about Dunning and Kruger's original research on this, I audited the digital marketing capabilities of a team in a large global organization. And as a result of that audit, a significant training program was devised and rolled out, after which the audit was repeated. How much had the training improved their capabilities? To the client's initial horror, the results were worse after the training than they had been at the start. Now, it wasn't, of course, that the training had managed in some way to de-skill them. Rather, it had taught them about the complexities of what they were trying to achieve and made them realise just how much more they had to learn. They had discovered that they didn't previously know what they didn't know. And that's illusory superiority. So it's a cognitive bias that leads us to believe that we're better or more capable than we actually are. One study in the US found that 93% of students considered themselves to have above average driving skills. In another, 70% of respondents thought they had better than average leadership skills. And in another study, 68% of university teaching staff rated themselves in the top 25% for teaching ability. Now, Dunning and Kruger started all of this off, and their original research showed that people typically overestimate how good they are at social and intellectual tasks. And poor performers, in particular, they found, grossly overestimated their abilities. Now, why does this matter for strategy? Well, strategy is all about doing or attempting to do something different from business as usual something relatively unfamiliar, something you may underestimate the difficulty or the complexity of achieving. And as a result, strategy often launches on a wave of optimism before crashing into a trough of despair, as people realize how difficult the new stuff is going to be to do well. Now, good strategists recognize this and try to soft launch strategy initiatives. What does the strategy want us to achieve and why? Get people familiar with that idea, get that into their minds and get it sitting comfortably with them. Then what new ways of working do we need to adopt to achieve strategic success? And then the key part, how can we ramp up our knowledge to make realistic assessments of our likelihood of success and how do we progressively and incrementally get to do this new way of working, new ways of thinking and new ways of achieving strategic success. That is illusory superiority. Next, the most important thing I learned this month, it's process accountability. Now, I find myself talking a lot these days about the strategic agility conundrum. How can a strategy be at the same time 
a constant North Star in forming and guiding decision-making, whilst also adapting to changing circumstances. Or, as Adam Grant put it when interviewed by Shane Parrish of The Knowledge Project, how do you balance the need to be open to ideas with the need to be decisive? So Adam Grant's answer, and this is all lightly paraphrased just so that it makes a bit more sense and more compact, is as follows. This is really about the way we hold people to account in organisations, he said. Normally people are counted as successful if they get a good result and failed if they get a bad result. But it often takes years to find out what the results were, so it's easy for people to persist with a failing project for a long time. Research suggests we need to move to process accountability, not outcome accountability. How do we get people to think seriously about how they know their process is a thoughtful and thorough decision process as opposed to one that's driven by whim or intuition? We need to stop re rewarding good outcomes from bad processes. That's just luck. A boneheaded decision that happens to turn out well. We need to start celebrating or at least normalising good processes with bad outcomes. That was an experiment worth running. His conclusion? I'm constantly shocked about how few people think this way. Brilliant, I say. Process accountability has got to be the way forward in the early stages of a new strategy to reconcile the need for strategy to have the consistency to guide action whilst also having the adaptability to respond to changing circumstances. So think hard about process accountability. Can you get it working within your strategy management processes? And finally, here's a couple of snippets related to strategy that you might have missed. First, the parable of the pottery class. Quantity trumps quality. This is a, from Jeff Atwood and originally from a longer post in Kevin Kelly's Cool Tools. It's a cautionary tale. The ceramics teacher announced on the opening day that he was dividing the class into two groups. All those on the left side of the studio, he said, would be graded solely on the quantity of work they produced. All those on the right, solely on its quality. They only needed to produce one pot, albeit a perfect one. At grading time, a curious fact emerged. The works of highest quality were all produced by the group being graded for quantity. It seems that while the quantity group was busy churning out piles of work and learning from their mistakes, the quality group had sat theorising about perfection and in the end had little more to show for their efforts than grandiose theories and a pile of dead clay. Now it always concerns me when the launch of a new strategy triggers weeks or even months of research, analysis and contemplation. Is there nothing you can just jump right into and start trying out? Sure, you're going to make lots of mistakes, but so long as they're not expensive or damaging mistakes, you may end up with a better quality outcome than if you sought perfection from the start. Second snippet. 
What kind of strategist are you? In a classic McKinsey article published in 2004, authors Bershon, Gibbs and Strovnik identified 13 different facets of strategy-related work. They then surveyed 350 senior strategists across 25 industries to see how these clustered into the practical working lives of strategies. Now, I suspect most of us will identify with one or perhaps two of the archetypes they identified. The architect is the competitive advantage officer, the performance challenger, the business developer. Then there's the mobilizer, the strategy capability builder. Again, a performance challenger, but also a project deliverer. Then there's the visionary, the trend forecaster, the innovator, the business developer. Then there's the surveyor, also does trend forecasting and business development, but also is government and regulatory strategist. And then the fund manager the portfolio optimizer, the resource allocator and reallocator, and the decision process facilitator. So all very nice food for thought. And I think that I can certainly identify with a few of these. But the question I ask myself is, should I not perhaps be thinking about the ones that don't resonate so well with me? And should I really be spending more time trying to develop those sides of my strategic work? If you've got thoughts about it yourself, I'd love to hear about them. And related to this McKinsey article, I decided that I was going to release in the new strategy model that we put out on Creative Commons, the six roles required for strategy development. So these roles are not what type of strategist are you, that this is more narrow, the six roles needed for strategy development. They're called the magician, the executive, the advocate, the analyst, the author and the controller. And they can all be used as provocations to explore the very different kinds of strategy jobs that are needed as you work through strategy development. And of course, they don't correspond one to one with individuals, but it's a provocation again for you to think about how they can best be filled by either individuals or teams within your organization. So it's available. The link is on this newsletter and also you can find them on goalatlas.com slash models. That's it for this month. Talk again next month.